0: Well, good morning to you. Welcome to Monday. I hope you had a wonderful weekend, G. It was good seeing some sunshine, wasn't it? Uh, I hope you, if you could, assisted with the floods and the, the cleanup operation as it continues in many areas around New South Wales. I took a trip out to Richmond, Windsor on Saturday to see firsthand the damage and destruction caused by the river which by the way was still up uh, they were about to reopen the bridge when i got there but i could see very clearly all the damage that had been caused i could see sandbags i could see residents lives their beds their fridges all of their personal possessions put at the front of their house as the cleanup continues i was devastated for them $25 million was raised for the Australian Red Cross in that uh, that big charity concert held on Saturday. Did you contribute? I did just a touch, but I hope that every single bloody cent goes to where it's supposed to go to. Okay, uh, they did say, the hosts of the program and on social media did say, quote, every single cent raised goes towards the victims of the latest flood. Let's hold them to that. Every single cent. Three key words. Well, I hope that is the case. All right, plenty to talk about as we kickstart uh, this week. Um, special guest on the program after 8 o'clock this morning, my good mate, Van Badham, Vanessa Batham, will join us. Um, columnist with The Guardian Australia, a regular, well, used to be a regular on Q&A when it was good, Uh, She also appears, I think, uh, quite regularly now on the Today Show on the Nine Network. So I'll catch up with Van after 8 o'clock, just chew the fat on a couple of issues, which I'm looking forward to. I'll give you some details of the big wet, what we need to be weary of. Uh, You know, there's plenty of, look, potholes for the most of us are a big problem. But, you know, there are other issues as well. Mozzies, leeches, possibility of getting very sick from mold. Even if your house wasn't flooded, there's every chance that you have mold appearing. You need to keep on top of that, clear it up because it can make you very sick. And not only that, as I mentioned, the mozzies, we're being urged to protect ourselves from Japanese encephalitis with these buggers starting to breed everywhere due to all of the the wet weather we've had over this summer. Okay, uh, politically, New South Wales, uh, government, the SES, uh, there's still some issues there. We're told defence officials offered New South Wales their help ahead of the East Coast rain bomb on two separate occasions, only to be told they weren't needed. Well, they certainly were needed. Look, there's no rule book to to how you deal with a natural disaster, but you do need to be planned... Uh, or have your plans in place and prepared? Um, I've spoken in the last week at length about all of this. I think we were underprepared. Um, when I say underprepared, you've got to ask the question Resilience New South Wales, $1.2 billion. All that money sitting there from previous fundraisers, government coffers, you know, the $4 billion emergency fund from the federal government. I know money is being released and that will be welcome. That is good news. Um, And I don't like pointing fingers at people and I don't want to, but I am glad the New South Wales government is holding an inquiry into how we dealt with this recent natural disaster, because you can always learn how to do things differently. And if one agency was slow to respond, if, you know, the SES felt they didn't need help from the Australian Defence Force, why? You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, we can say, oh, they should have brought them in earlier and they should have. But at that time, they maybe didn't know. Anyway, that's why it'll be good to see where this review takes us to. Anyway, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Are you drinking or have you drunk more during the pandemic? You know, there's a new variant of COVID-19, the Omicron variant, B2 or something. I'll talk about that. Uh, We're being warned of a spike in numbers over the coming months. I'll get to that detail, but if you've been drinking a little extra during the pandemic, you're not alone. I'll give you the detail of that story. What about Australian men? We are being accused in a new study of being overtly sexist. Yep. A new study has highlighted Australian men's sexism. Yeah, I'm all right. Well, I'll get into that story as well for you. Uh, I shouldn't laugh. I don't know. We've all done something silly, haven't we? I know I have. What about this? A university lecturer has been stood down after mistakenly broadcasting pornography to an online class of first-year students. Wow. All right, I'll get to the detail of that story for you. Look, I, I'll fess up. I mucked up once. I was on a, a radio station, won't say where, and I opened a pop-up, uh, a pop-up that a, a mate sent to me on an email. Didn't realise the fader was up. It was one of those... How did it work? ...where a woman's having an orgasm to some ridiculously... Sl- its You know, something you don't expect. It was a stupid parody video and it was the harry when harry met sally or you know the one yeah you know what i'm talking about and it went to where right over the news <laughs> yeah that was my big blue blue anyway uh we'll get into some of your feedback as well thank you for all of your emails over the weekend thank you for all your comments on our facebook uh, marcus paul in the morning do you, that page continues to go off uh we'll get to some of your feedback couple of nice emails a real nasty one as well that i'll no doubt poke some fun out so that's all coming up some great music as well as we get into it on this monday morning another week of marcus paul in the morning thank you for joining us here on starterfm.com.au and on the iheart and TuneIn radio apps Monday morning, Marcus, Paul in the morning, nice to have you company here on Starter FM and of course the iHeartRadio app. Well, there's little doubt the impact of our drenching summer will be felt for many, many more months. Overwhelmed tradies, gaping potholes, mould, mozzies, leeches. Yeah, leeches are on the march as well, can you believe this? Alongside, of course, the very real problem of the displaced finding a new place to call home. I was actually out in Windsor on Saturday just to get a little bit of a a first-hand look at the devastation out there from the Nepean Hawkesbury River. The smell is the first thing that gets you. And then you see all of the goods, the household items, fridges, beds, Lounges, personal belongings, everything just stacked up in front of the house. Awful stuff. Thank you to everybody who's been involved in the cleanup so far. And I, I really hope those that have been affected by these floods get the help that they need. And, of course, that they are spared at least, for well, hopefully forever. But I don't know. We build on floodplains, don't we? We really, really do. Look, a couple of things that I want to mention. I'll get into the information of the fact that yesterday it was revealed that the Australian Defence Force actually applied to help in New South Wales with flood recovery, or flood rescues first of all, then flood recovery, but they were knocked back time and time again. I'll get into the nitty-gritty of that story. But, look, damage wrought by the East Coast's downpour worsened existing labour shortages and property owners have been warned it now could be months before repairs take place. Roovers, handymen, are among those who have been run off their feet with near-constant calls for repairs since the rain started. Yeah, uh, Darren Ford. Who works for Ford Roofing in, in in the inner west of Sydney said in the over the weekend in the paper that he's never been so busy. We can't handle the volume of calls; it's just out of control. I've never seen anything like this. The entire time I've lived in Sydney, it's bringing out underlying issues. People should be maintaining their houses. Now, Mr. Ford said he was running around the city like a madman, working more than thirteen hours a day, answering non-stop calls and trying to attend to leaking roofs and collapsed ceilings. Look, supply and labour shortages, already under enormous pressure thanks to the pandemic, are also set to worsen as demand for tradies surges. Mould is a big problem. Mould and damp creeping into homes. Dehumidifiers and dryers have become a hot commodity, we're told. The Good Guys were sold out of dehumidifiers online last week, while Harvey Norman saw massive sales, despite losing two stores in the floods themselves. Jerry Harvey said, sales were very strong on the weekend. We had record sales on washing machines, dryers and air purifiers. Our problem is we had two stores destroyed by the floods. So those two stores still aren't operating, one in Brisbane and one in Lismore. Look, also worth mentioning, as communities turn their focus from rescue to clean up, scammers. Oh, they're the lowest of the low, aren't they? Taking advantage of vulnerable people who've already been affected by the heartbreak of having their homes destroyed by floods. Well, we're told scammers have taken the disaster as an opportunity. Fake charity scams, dodgy tradies, and rip-offs are rife during any natural disaster. And there's been no exception, apparently this time around, according to Fair Trading Minister Eleni Patinos. She said over the weekend, as we begin the clean-up and rebuild phase, flood-affected residents across northern rivers need to be weary of unlicensed scammers attempting to rip them off. If they badger people or behave in an intimidating or threatening manner to try and get a quote accepted, They should be asked to leave. If they refuse, well, then the police need to be called. Now, New South Wales Fair Trading will have staff in flood-impacted areas to help protect locals from fraudsters. Well, isn't it sad that we need this to happen? Potholes. Wow. Well, they are causing havoc for motorists with many councils overwhelmed by pothole repair requests. Uh, I'm told the NRMA has seen a more than 300% increase in requests for towing as a result of the damaged roads. Residents around the state are also reporting plagues of mosquitoes, leeches and even mushrooms growing from ceilings and walls. I shouldn't laugh. Be nothing worse. Now, the New South Wales Tenants Union... Well, they've seen a massive influx of calls and emails about mould and flooding in rental properties. Most of Sydney seems to have mould of some sort. The conditions are just too perfect for it, and Sydney's rental stock is at a lower quality than it should be, and the ventilation is just not where it should be either. As a result, um, real estates have been run off their feet as well. Look, according to the real estate agency... Uh, and their association. Tenants are responsible for keeping a property in a reasonably clean condition, which includes opening windows for ventilation, if you can, but all tenants should report mould to their real estate agency immediately. Be a little careful as well. Flooding and dampness has brought a plague of mozzies, with the pests thriving, and even small puddles of water and, of course, not only that is, all uh, well, the mozzies, but there's a rare chance of that Japanese encephalitis, a disease never seen before in New South Wales before this year. Well, that's apparently out there. But Ross River virus and Barma Forest virus are common in mosquito-transmitted viruses here in Australia as well. Now, experts say that it is difficult to stop mozzies from coming uh, or coming from nearby flooded areas, and wetlands, but it is crucial to make sure you empty any wet debris or pools of water from your property. Okay, that'll help with the mossy issue. Toxic mold can also play havoc with your health. All right, so if you you feel that you know you're not you know you're having an issue with mold, try and get it cleaned up as soon as possible. It can make you very sick, and. Well, unfortunately, it's popping up in homes, even with the best of ventilation. You need to keep your doors and windows open, fix leaks straight away, and use extractor fans. Surface mould can be easily cleaned with a vinegar and water solution. All right, well, there's a a few bits and pieces from the weekend's press in relation to the flooding emergency. As the big clean-up continues across New South Wales and South East Queensland, Marcus Paul in the morning. Just a a little more here on Marcus Paul in the morning of the the Mozzie issue. We're being urged to protect ourselves from Japanese encephalitis. How? Well, cover up. It's as simple as that. 17 cases of the mosquito-borne virus, known as JEV, J-E-V, have already been confirmed in Australia. The reported cases include five infections in New South Wales, seven in Victoria four in South Australia and one in Queensland. Now, two of those infections, unfortunately, have been fatal. So two people have already died, one in Victoria and the other in New South Wales. Three of the total infections were reported on Friday, including a man in his 60s in Goulburn in New South Wales. So please just keep that in mind. Cover up, wear some repellents as best as you can. All right, well, on to this story. It was an exclusive written in the papers yesterday. Linda Simalas wrote, I think it was for the Sun-Herald, defence officials offered New South Wales their help ahead of the East Coast rain bomb on two separate occasions, only to be told that they weren't needed. Can you believe this? Now, a week after Premier Dominic Perrottet promised a review into the state's emergency flood response, which he admitted had fallen short, it's revealed the Australian Defence Force support was initially knocked back. You see, this is what frustrates me. It really does. The ADF should be used at every single opportunity where possible. Because the reason I bring it up, they're being paid. And of course, you know, nothing, I don't think personally, nothing says we've got this under control than a whole bunch of soldiers going into a natural disaster area. They should be there from the outset because they do magnificent work. You know, they're they're not politicians, they're not police, they're not SES people, even though, you know, the SES people are wonderful, you know, but they are defence personnel, some of the most trusted, I would argue, in our community. Anyway. We're told that on February the 25th, an ADF representative contacted the New South Wales SES headquarters around two o'clock to seek advice on any potential request for assistance, including a presence in the emergency operations centre. However, the defence rep was told there was no expectation support would be required. At around 7.30 that night... EMA, the Emergency Management Australia body, the federal government body within the Department of Home Affairs and responsible for emergency management coordination, activated the Australian Government Disaster Response Plan for the east coast of Australia. A couple of hours later, a defence representative again contacted the New South Wales SES asking if defence presence would be required the rep was again advised there would be no requirement. The following day, the Army began increasing its readiness in Queensland, which would be the first state hit by the record rain. Just after midnight on February the 27th, the head of the ADF ordered two helicopters to help the Queensland SES. It also increased its readiness with some 600 personnel for ground support. Now, it... (laughs) It goes on just after 3 pm, it also readied its ground forces, as I said, in anticipation that New South Wales would also require support and perhaps request it. On February the 28th, defence helicopters were finally tasked to fly to Lismore ahead of a request from New South Wales. Finally, Just before one o'clock, an EMA New South Wales request was made for search and rescue helicopter support, high clearance vehicles and evacuation support. Just after 2pm, a task request from New South Wales was received, which ADF accepted. Asked when the state government requested defence support, the Office of Emergency Services Minister, Steph Cook, referred the media to the SES. A spokesman for the SES said members had been on duty since February the 24th alongside other emergency services personnel. Look, I don't want to make it too political, but what I, what in my opinion, I think the Australian Defence Force, our army, our our, our services, you know, with personnel ready to assist at the drop of a hat, I think they should be what among the first called to help. Help the volunteers, help the weary frontline police officers as well. But importantly, assist with the volunteer effort of the Angels in Orange, the State Emergency Service. Anyway, uh, let's hope that this inquiry into how it's all been dealt with will see a more rapid response from the state government, from the State Emergency Service in getting Australian Defence Force personnel on the ground boots on the ground to assist in times of natural disasters. Maybe you'd like to comment on that, you can do so on the page, Marcus Paul in the Morning on Facebook, or if you like, send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au on this Monday morning. Okay, welcome back. Nice to have you company. On this Monday morning, some feedback coming through, and I always appreciate it, as you know. Marcus.Paul at StarterFM.com.au I did a, a video on this one from Dean over the weekend. You might have missed it on social media, so I'll read it out again. G'day, Marcus. Thank you again for the wonderful show you're producing. I really appreciate being able to listen regularly, and as a Patreon supporter, I'm glad to be able to help, albeit in a small way. With regards to Shane Warren. Just before Christmas last year, I experienced a cardiac event while on duty in my ICU. I was rushed to hospital and had a tense 24 hours as I underwent a series of tests and was referred on to a cardiologist for a follow-up. There was the inevitable delay because of Christmas and summer holidays, but I've just begun a series of exams and tests to assess my cardiac health. The death of shame worn has shaken me in light of my own experience and I've been thinking a lot about my own mortality, as you suggested on the show the other day, and my general well-being. Look, I'm 48 years of age. I don't consider myself old, nor am I unhealthy. I'm active and I exercise and I generally look after myself. But I do acknowledge that now is the time for me to get serious about my health and perhaps consider some changes. You've provided some important food for thought on your recent comments about Shane Warne and I would encourage you to continue to talk about men's health where appropriate. Well, I always will, Dean, thank you. Um, he goes on, yours is a strong voice, believe it or not, and I value that. Could I say, in closing, to your listeners out there, if you're in the region of 45 to 50 years of age, listen up, boys, gents, consider checking in with your GP. Get a physical. Have some bloods taken. Talk about your diet and lifestyle and consider some changes. They don't have to be big changes, but anything positive that you can do can have a powerful positive effect. That's Dean. Now, Dean is an intensive care unit nurse, so he should know about this stuff. He's from Adelaide, one of my listeners and followers in Adelaide. That's a really good email, Dean, and I appreciate you letting me know your thoughts on that and For everybody listening, particularly, well, for everybody, even if, uh, you know, the girls are listening at the moment, get your man down to the doctor, particularly if he's between that age bracket, okay? It's really, really important. All right, from something good to something shit, Derek Land. I don't even know whether Derek's real, but I, (laughs) I shared this love note I received on social media over the weekend. Derek was up nice and early on a Sunday morning with nothing better to do than to send this rubbish. Starter FM, it suits you, but I would trend more toward retard FM that fits the bill for you more. Now, we're off to a flying start here, Derek. Nothing entertains my family and friends more than, T-H-E-N, he's supposed to write T-H-A-N, hearing you try to sound important And like you have a brain, as we hear each day, how much of a dickhead you sound.
1: Whatever they've got you on, cut the
0: dose. So he's got here, H-E-R-E, and then you sound your without the apostrophe e, the current laughing stock and. Quote, unquote, don't forget to donate to my lost cause as I can't even earn money. I have to plead to everyone to give me a few bucks each day. All right. (laughs) That's the first paragraph.
1: In my weaker moments, I almost pity them.
0: I've got a headache already. As we sit and watch what a real tryhard you are. I love this we business. Well, as long as you keep watching and keep listening and keep being triggered by me, Derek, I'll be happy. Anyway, as we sit and watch what a real tryhard you are, you would get better ratings and views on PlaySchool. You are the worst yet by far announcer to come out of Sydney. Please do us all a favour and give up. If 2SM really wanted you, that would have gotten rid of you the way that... Yeah, okay, whatever, dickhead. I have some friends who own a piggery. You can start ASAP, no papers required. <laughs> Thank you Derek Um, That's a great email Appreciate it And Look if you are listening Derek And I know you are to every single word Make sure you have a look on the Facebook page mate, Because you've got a lot of fans there A lot of fans Your cable TV is experiencing difficulties Please do not panic Resist the temptation to read or talk to loved ones Do not attempt sexual relations As years of TV radiation Have left your genitals withered Look, if you want to send me an email, good or bad, doesn't matter. You know I like content. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au Monday morning. Nice to have you company, Marcus. Paul in the morning. Uh, Oh, dear, oh, dear, listen to this. A woman's been caught allegedly driving over five times the legal alcohol limit and with an unrestrained, extremely distressed five-year-old girl in the car as well got to be careful. They're out there and they're on our roads. Police were called to Shell Harbour Road in Warilla, which is in the Illawarra in Wollongong area, just before six o'clock on Friday night, after multiple reports of a car swerving and mounting gutters. Around an hour and a half later, the vehicle was located at Warrawong, which is nearby. Now, police will allege the driver, Lee Matheen, who's 46, led them on a six-kilometre low-speed pursuit before eventually stopping at Windang. Now, the woman was taken to a police station where she allegedly returned a breath analysis reading of 0.263. That's more than five times the limit. She was charged with a police pursuit, not stopping, driving dangerously, high-range PCA, drive with an unrestrained child passenger, and to not stop when directed. I hope if this woman's found guilty of all of these things, we will never see her anywhere on a road again, or certainly for a long, long time. Really? Five times the legal limit, with a little one in the back leading police on a pursuit, even though it was a a low-speed pursuit down there in the Illawarra. Crazy stuff. All right, if you would like to support the program, uh, send me an email, Paul at starterfm.com.au if you'd like to sponsor the show. Uh, very good rates, best in the biz. Uh, and we support businesses who support us, don't we? Yep, like Fox Safety Consulting, Workplace Health and Safety, WHS or OHS, depending on the state or territory you're in. Well, we know it's a requirement of every trading business in the country. There's no getting around it. That's why your business, no matter how big or how small, needs Fox Safety Consulting. Workplace health and safety or occupational health and safety can be confusing and at times frustrating to know what to do and exactly how to do it. That's why your business needs Fox Safety Consulting, no matter how big or how small they are. At Fox Safety Consulting, Rick and his team will take the time to get to know your business and to understand how it operates so they can provide the very best in safety for your workplace. They will design customised practical solutions to fit your needs and make sure your business remains compliant. But equally, equally as important, they'll keep your workers safe. Fox Safety Consulting's national network of consultants are now ready to support your safety journey. Already building a strong reputation, Fox Safety Consulting is currently working with micro-businesses along with governments across the country. So get in touch today to see how they can help you and your business. If you want to make an inquiry, go to foxsafety.com.au and make sure you choose Fox Safety Consulting to support your safety journey. And please support the businesses that support us here at Marcus Paul in the morning. Are Australians, particularly Australian men, overly sexist? Are we, us boys? I'll talk about that story very soon. Uh, A new study apparently highlights Australian men's sexism. Yeah, food for thought on that very soon. Don't forget that podcast tomorrow, um, a video podcast with Isaac Butterfield drops uh, late tomorrow afternoon. Just keep an eye out, an eye out for it on our socials, and also Isaac's. If you follow him, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I just hope my mum doesn't hear, uh, and my uh, future mother-in-law doesn't hear. There's a bit of swearing going on, but it's a, uh, it's a great chat. It's a lot of fun. Really was. It was great just to, you know, shoot the breeze with a couple of blokes. Uh, very funny, Isaac, and. Bluey as well was there. I can't wait for it. Uh, It'll be a bit... We put a little teaser video up already. Maybe you've seen that. Um, But yeah, the whole thing will be released tomorrow, Tuesday afternoon. All right. Well, it seems we haven't spoken recently about COVID-19. Of course, we've had a lot of other stories, including uh, the floods and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But we are told a highly infectious, stealthy new variant of COVID 19 is expected to create a surge in cases. But it's no threat, we're told, also to our freedom. The state government expects the new sub variant of Omicron, the BA2, will become the dominant strain nationally within a month. Now it's urging people to get boosted to prevent infection. More that look, and just if you just joined us, uh, maybe on this new venture of it my regular listeners and followers will know I will never tell you to get vaccinated I always I'm not a medical expert I don't uh, I don't pretend to be an expert on anything medical It's a conversation that you need to have with one person or one person only. that is your doctor okay so you know whether you're boosted vaccinated whatever uh, it's completely your business between you and your doctor. But I do, of course, always suggest you follow the public health advice. Anyway, more than 2.4 million people aged over 16 in New South Wales are still due to get their third shot, while more than 370,000 children between the ages of 5 and 11 have not been vaccinated at all. And that's prompted a stern message from the state's health minister, Brad Hazard, Now, we said over the weekend, it's beyond me how a quarter of the entire population of New South Wales seem to have forgotten the misery forced upon us over the past two years by this rotten virus. Why would anyone run the risk of hospitalisation and or death to themselves or their family and friends when each of us can dramatically reduce the risks by a vaccine booster that doesn't cost you a cent? Reported daily cases of COVID-19 in New South Wales, well, they're on the rise again, they have increased from 9,466 cases on March the 4th to just under 13,000 cases on Saturday, with predictions a number of cases could double within six weeks as this new strain spreads and people learn to live with the virus. Uh, epidemiologists and health experts say it's not the time to panic though, and don't think a surge in cases will result in hospitals being overrun or cities being shut down. Um, now, the proportion of people well vaccinated and people who have had the disease is very high now, and the number of susceptibles continues to fall rapidly, which is good. That's according to infectious experts. While the new health, uh, the stealth variant, isn't believed to be any more severe than Omicron, it is up to 50% more infectious and transmissible. Experts are saying that while there are no mask mandates, people should still be taking appropriate steps to protect themselves. All right, well, that's the health advice and the warnings that are out there. A highly infectious, stealthy new variant of COVID-19 called BA2 is expected to create a surge in cases but it's no threat to our freedom. There'll be no more lockdowns. We're living with COVID-19, even this new variant. Marcus Paul in the morning, if you want to have your say on that, you can on our Facebook page, or you can send me an email, Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au on this Monday morning. When a fire starts to burn. Van Battam, hello.
1: My God, Marcus Paul, how are you?
0: I'm well. I'm well, but I'm not as busy as you. You've been all over the shop selling that. Uh, Do you need to sell that bestseller? uh,
1: Well, I mean, I always like to uh, sell a few more copies, I've got to say. So I was in... Canberra, uh, talking about the book with Andrew Lee, who's the member for FENO, who's fantastic. A good friend of the
0: program, yes.
1: Yeah, he's got a great new book out called What's the Worst Thing That Could Happen, which is uh, very prescient. It's all about catastrophic risk. Yeah. Uh, I certainly recommend anybody who, you know, uh, wants to be prepared for the future to read it. And then after Canberra, I was in Adelaide at Adelaide Writers' Week, and I hung out with Linda Javen, who's also got a fantastic new book out, which is called *The Shortest History of China*, which is an amazing primer on Chinese culture and Chinese politics. Absolutely right. essential. Yeah. And I'm off to the Newcastle Writers Festival soon, and Queenscliff, Queenscliff rather, and Castlemaine. It's go, go 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 go. You're everywhere.
0: Go. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, QAnon and on and on, already a bestseller here in Australia. Of course, the better it does here, um, the better it'll do perhaps in other markets like the United States.
1: Well, the audiobook came out this week, so those of you who like listening as opposed to reading, uh, it's done incredibly well the audiobook because of course there are uh no um borders when it comes to the sale of ebooks and audiobooks and it is already on the bestseller list for amazon which Yay. is really exciting
0: oh that's outstanding well done well it's a brilliant read as i've always said
1: yeah you are an extremely loyal friend and thank you for spruiking the book uh, from the beginning marcus i couldn't tell you how great Oh, am.
0: my pleasure I, absolutely i just my really pleasure.
1: wanted to get the word out about how these disinformation communities work and how these, you know, crazy cults like QAnon and the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, they're actually part of something a lot more sinister. And it has been really interesting to watch since Russia you've invaded Ukraine, that there has been quite a deliberate effort of bad faith actors to manipulate those disinformation pipelines and all the things that the people I spoke to when I was writing the book were worried about, about disinformation campaigning, about nefarious acts by not very pleasant people international governments and things like that, how they were using these communities of conspiracy believers as a propaganda channel. And certainly, I can tell you, Marcus, I still have all my old accounts yeah. that I use to map QAnon, and they are all pro-Putin now. All of the conversations, all of the propaganda, there are some really crazy conspiracy theories that they're pushing. And the, the link between QAnon... And uh, Russian government propaganda, can I just say, is very direct.
0: Oh, I have no doubt. And, you know, uh, ever since the events in Europe is, you know, are we surprised of who's popped his head back up again? Uh, He almost praised Putin. Well, he did really, didn't he? I'm talking about Mr. Make America Great Again, Donald Trump
1: who never did a thing to stop Putin's ambitions while he was president. It is so interesting now, Marcus, isn't it, to look back on the Trump years and make the links about what was going on. So you have the fact that Trump was impeached the first time for holding off on delivering weapons aid to Ukraine and in that infamous phone call with Volodymyr Zelensky where he said, do us a favour, though, and seemed to try and extort... Information that didn't exist to attack his political rival Joe Biden and actually delayed the transfer of, of desperately needed weapons to Ukraine. Isn't that interesting to remember? Isn't it interesting to remember Trump making yeah. all those statements saying, oh, Vladimir Putin has told me that he's not responsible for these disinformation pipel- pipelines and I believe him? There's another piece of... Um, retrospective news, which is fascinating, the money to build the incredibly expensive and not very effective wall between mm-hmm. the United States and Mexico. Do you know where the money for that wall came from? Which department it came from in America? Tell me. Oh, from the Pentagon. <laughs> so money was taken out of the US defence budget to pay for a wall that did not work. I wonder in whose interest yeah. it was... All of that money To be directed away from the Pentagon I wonder who benefited From that
0: Wouldn't be I oligarchs mean, would it
1: Oh and- I think it might be a certain government of an aggressive hostile country that's Hmm. just illegally invaded a sovereign nation. I think maybe making the United States as weak as possible would certainly have been in their interests. I've got to say, Marcus, I do think Joe Biden is doing an extraordinary job in very difficult circumstances. That is such a delicate situation in Ukraine and the way that the Americans have pursued the sanctions against uh, Putin and the oligarchs with such speed and such effectiveness has just been really extraordinary, as well as walking a very fine line about not kicking off the kind of full-scale conflict that would rally Russians behind what is actually not an entirely popular action in Ukraine.
0: No, If there
1: was a, a war between Russia and the NATO states. So it makes a big difference to have the adults in charge. There was a wonderful article in the Globe and Mail, which is a Canadian newspaper yesterday, yeah. where one of their commentators just went, clown time is over. And I love it. I love clown time <laughs> being over. I love adults being in charge. Let's yeah. start with Joe Biden and work on from there. All
0: right. Let's uh, have a look at domestic situations. Of course, we, uh, we've forgotten all about the pandemic at the moment because it's just been floods, natural disasters, Um, and, again, a a really good indication of perhaps a government at a federal level and even uh, to a lesser extent here in New South Wales of, you know, not really... Uh, being prepared for these sorts of things, Uh, you know. Yeah, which
1: it tends to indicate, in Australia at least, clown time is not over, which is (laughs) unfortunate, really, uh, given the rest of the world seems to be moving on. Mm. I mean, it is ridiculous, Marcus. It is heartbreaking. Those images of of Queenslanders and people from the north of New South Wales losing their homes, losing their businesses, everything from a paint shop to a cattle farm Mm. has been washed away with these floods and to have the likes of Shane Stone who's a long-term liberal identity who seems to exist on the on the permanent teat of uh liberal party sinecure positions is now the you know the emergency responses are well Mr emergency response czar turned around and blamed the people who lived in those areas for living in them. Oh, you want to live amongst the gum trees? Well, this is what happens. And it's extraordinary, Marcus. Like, anybody who knows anything about regional community politics knows that the political parties that are entirely pro-development, sometimes pro-dangerous like or ill-advised development, is, of course the Liberal and National parties. Uh-huh. Like that's a reality of regional politics in this country, that we're always being told that regulations are just red tape, we're always being told that business development must come first and that if a corporation or business makes a decision to develop land, well, they should be able to. Mm. And yet you've had decades in this country of environmentalists, town planners, anybody who knows anything about you know the environment, about why... Is, Land use and the rest of it going, do not develop on floodplains, do not build here, this is unsafe, climate change is a threat to these areas. And yet we're always written off as, oh, you know, anti development, greenies complaining, and the rest of it. Yep. I'm no greenie Marcus, as well you know, mm. but I really like sensible and uh, future proof. Planning. I always think long-term policy is better than short-term policy, and we've had people made vulnerable by the desire of developers and their friends in the Liberal and the National parties to make a quick buck. And we're seeing the effects of that now.
0: Well, not just uh, in the Northern Rivers, of course, or Southeast Queensland around Brisbane, but but here in Sydney in the Hawkesbury Valley. Again, it's reignited that old debate of whether or not the uh, the Warragamba Dam should be raised, even though the uh, Well, uh, Minister for Western Sydney, Stuart Ayres, claims that uh, if it is raised, they will not develop uh, down further on the floodplain. But, you know, I don't know. I I worry that (laughs) if they do raise the wall, the damn wall, that all of that area, that green space that was flooded uh, will be ripe for the picking for developers.
1: Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? We know what the Liberal and National parties are like. We know that they always put their corporate donors first and they put Australians last. Like, that telethon last night, I think, was a real testament to how bad the Liberals and Nationals are at actually governing. It Mm -hmm. is ridiculous that there had to be a fundraiser with Australians effectively asked to pay double taxation in order to provide services that should exist. But we already. have an
0: emergency fund of $4.125 billion. We have a, a, an organisation here in New South Wales headed by a former fire commissioner and Shane Fitzsimmons called Resilience New South Wales with a $1.2 billion budget. The best they could do was send out social media packs.
1: Well, this is the thing, you know, where is the preparedness? Mm. It, you know, I think it's a combination of two things, you know. it's Well, it's a combination of several things. One, Liberal governments are not that interested in governing. They rather like the tickets to the cricket and they rather like being fancy and going on international trips. And they essentially, where we are in Australia now is that The priority of the Liberal National Party when it comes to governing is collecting taxation to give out to their friends. I mean, you had the situation recently that a government contract was given to a company that had links to Peter Dutton, who issued the money, Mm. $1.8 million, billion, sorry, $1.8 billion. And this was a a company that had no assets. and. (laughs) had not existed, essentially, until the grant was handed over. Yeah. And, I mean, how how do you feel in the Northern Rivers or in Queensland watching things like the car park rots or the sports rots, mm-hmm. and, you know, this money given out hand over fist as if it's some kind of pork barrel lottery when your community's underwater, you've lost your house, you know, everything from the fire station to the school is underwater. Like, how do you feel about that kind of waste well, and mismanagement? Well, people haven't. Going on. Yeah,
0: people will have a chance uh, in inside three months, Van, to to finally put a stop to it all.
1: Yeah, and the only way I want to be really clear, Marcus, about how we put a stop to it all, because you can imagine every opportunist and grifter comes along at election time, mm. and you know, promising the world with absolutely no record of. Of achievement. You know, for me, Marcus, it gets down to this. You vote one Labor, you put the Liberals last. I would love to be equivocal. I would love to go, oh, you know, there are so many interesting uh, people and maybe we should try something new and the rest of it. But that's not the world that we live in. We live in a world where it's not clown time anymore. There is a European war on. We are facing the reality of climate change and there is a pandemic which is, by all indications, going to bloom in serious numbers again. It is not time to take a risk on some, you know, independent who's never had the position before who we don't know anything about. We need an experienced government with an actual plan and capable, effective parliamentary leadership in order to ensure the resources go to where they are needed and that's all it comes down to, yep. and I know we're used to people in the media, you know, equivocating and and doing the whole oh well balance, you know, all sides are just the same, and like that's fundamentally not true, and we are living in the consequences of pretending that everything's just the same, nothing changes, and you know, like everybody's as bad as one another. Like it's it, we can't do that anymore.
0: Nope. All right, Ben. Lovely to talk to you. Um, don't forget you can tune in to, to Van Bannam and Ben Davidson's wonderful podcast, The Week on Wednesday, available on all great uh, platforms, Apple, all the rest of it. Uh, that's doing well. You are still up the top there?
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, we're absolutely racing ahead. We've Good got a really stuff. wonderful and loyal audience. Excellent. And a lot of that is thanks to you, Marcus. Oh. Thank you for promoting the work that we do. <laughs> I don't know. So, I- <laughs> you know, if you want to hear to very practical, like regional, left wing people, yeah, um, yep. natter about the news once a week, you know <laughs> where to find us.
0: Great stuff, Van. Good to chat. Thank you for coming on the new program, Marcus Ball in the Morning on Starter FM, and of course, the Prawncast. We will talk again in a couple of weeks. I appreciate it.
1: I absolutely love it, Marcus. You sound so much happier. <laughs>
0: Welcome back, Marcus Fall in the morning. Let me ask you this question, particularly for the boys and men listening guys, gentlemen, fellas. A new study highlights that Australian men are sexist. It was written by Latika Burke, who's uh, in London these days, very respected Australian journalist. And she writes if a woman walked into an Australian pub where there were five men, one of them would likely look at her and think, it was okay to use sexist language and share online intimate photographs of her without consent. Really? The finding is part of a new research conducted for International Women's Day on behalf of the Global Institute for Women's Leadership in London, which is led by former Prime Minister Julia Gillard. Now, the study, we're told, shows that Australian men have some of the most sexist views in the Western world. Market research consultancy Ipsos in February surveyed 20,500 adults in 30 countries, including Australia, Britain, the US, Canada, Malaysia, Singapore and Turkey. Almost one-third believe traditional masculinity is under threat. Really? Do you think traditional masculinity is under threat? Well, more than one quarter say that feminism does more harm than good. About 1 in 5 or 20% said men had lost out in terms of economic and political power or social status as a result of feminism, while 15% said violence against women was often provoked by the victim and women often made up or exaggerated claims of abuse or rape. Interesting findings. Australians were regularly above the global average when measuring misogyny on a country-by-country basis, although the data showed gaps between Australian men and women. For example, just 9% of all people surveyed said it was a woman's obligation to have sex with a boyfriend or husband, even if she didn't feel like it. Well, thank God, oh, 9%... But it should be zero. Zero. Uh, I mean, no one's obligated to do anything. That view was endorsed by 14% of Australians surveyed and 19% of Australian men, compared to 10% of women. Now also, the global average for those who believe that women awfully falsely allege or exaggerate claims of rape and abuse was 15%. In Australia, the average was 19%, with 28% of men agreeing, compared to 11% of women. And Australia, by the way, was second highest in the world, behind only Malaysia, when asked if it was acceptable to use sexist or misogynistic language online, with 14% saying that it was okay. The global average was 8%. Of the Australian survey, 23% of men said it was okay, compared to 5% of women. Australia, we're told, was also second highest, again behind Malaysia when asked if it was okay to share intimate images of a woman online without their consent. Oh, really? With 11% saying it was okay compared to the global average of 6%. Almost one in five men said it was acceptable compared to just 4% of women. Oh, gosh. Now, Kelly Beaver, who's from the, uh, the research company Ipsos, said that she was shocked by the result and told former Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, that they exposed some real issues in Australia when it came to gender bias and equity. Some of the, num- some of the numbers, in particular for Australia, we can see it's substantively higher than other countries on the biases, on an online perspective, and what is acceptable. I think there are some real issues there, so yes, shocked and disappointed. The numbers will be higher in real life because not everyone will want to acknowledge that they have those biases. So the numbers are best case scenario in terms of the level of prevalence. Alright, well, rape survivor and director of the organisation Rape and Sexual Assault Research and Advocacy, Saxon Mullins said she believed Australia had made progress on attitudes towards women when compared to a decade ago. But she said she was disturbed by the survey's results about online harassment, which she believes needs to be treated as seriously as other kinds of abuse. Yeah, well, maybe the federal government are on the right track in trying to, you know, have Facebook identify Who these absolute morons are who think it's okay to harass, intimidate and bully not only women but anybody online. Online harassment comes with a very dismissive, you could just turn the computer off type of, you know, feedback attitude if you like. But we are of course online all day working, socialising, all those things, our whole lives are now on there. Now others, including the Chief Executive of Plan International Australia, say that they weren't shocked by the results, but would have hoped for better male attitudes considering the past year had seen such a focus on women's safety at work and consent education. Well, I'm shocked. I really have I am. What do you think? Are Australian men according well, according to this research we are. Are we among the most sexist in the world? You can have your say marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or on our Facebook page in the comments section under the podcast link. Welcome back Monday. Marcus, Paul in the morning. I can't wait for this. From tomorrow, you'll start hearing some wonderful content from Sir Khan and the team from... True Crime News Weekly Uh, We're going to do some collaboration together And I I look forward to my first chat tomorrow With the team from there Uh, Sakan does some brilliant investigative journalism And they will often touch the stories The mainstream whites, like our mate You know, Jordan Shanks, friendly Geordies But I do look forward to it That'll happen from tomorrow And we'll chat on the regular I'm told they've got some ripper stories on the way, one including the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian. Yeah, we'll break the stories the mainstream refused to cover, and there'll be some extremely interesting ones coming up. So, True Crime News Weekly. Yeah, I'll speak tomorrow, my first chat with Sakan, and I think he's got uh, an exclusive story uh, for us to talk about as his article drops. Uh, if you haven't already, please follow them on social media. Alrighty, um, look, I don't want to laugh in light of the fact that, you know, we we were talking about whether or not Australian men were sexist. Well, I guess this is a question. Is it sexist to watch porn? I think most of us through our lifetime have watched some sort of pornography. Uh, uh, There's no doubt that, you know, some of the pornography out there is extremely sexist and degrading to women. Um, I don't know. But this story, uh, take it in the uh, the context that it's being presented. And that is, it was in the newspaper over the weekend. A university lecturer has been stood down after mistakenly broadcasting pornography to an online class of first-year students. The man who the newspapers over the weekend chose not to identify was one of two teachers leading an Introduction to Essential Skills for Academic Success lesson via Zoom on Wednesday. When the lecturer took a 10-minute break, instead of an on-hold screen, around 15 students were exposed to a pornographic website featuring sexy camera girls and displaying a variety of, of explicit images of women. The father of one student who asked not to be identified said his daughter was disgusted. She was very upset to the point where she thought about pulling out of university. A teacher should be a leader in the community, so I don't think he should have been in that role. I'm dumbfounded that he would show that to young people. It's a breach of trust. I I, I don't think he would have purposely done it, would he? You'd hope not. Anyway, the father said he reported the incident to police but was told no crime had been committed due to everyone involved being aged over 18. He made a complaint on behalf of his daughter to the university, which confirmed it had also since received several other reports. Now, the university was made aware of an incident that occurred on March 9 during a Zoom lesson after receiving a number of complaints from students and parents. What university are we talking about? the University of Western Sydney. It had taken swift action according to uh, their spokesperson standing down the academic in question while completing a full and thorough investigation into this matter. It's also reached out to the affected students to provide support. Oh, look, I'm sure they'll be okay. Surely. Anyway, a spokeswoman said pending the outcome of the investigation, the teacher will be dealt with in accordance with the university's policies and procedures. The man has taught English and academic skills at the uni since 2015. He apparently declined to comment when contacted by media over the weekend. Look, embarrassing and explicit blunders have become commonplace as the popularity of online meetings has surged just last January. A pornography clip was shown to a group of Italian senators after someone hijacked their Zoom meeting. Multiple schools across the United States, as well as in Victoria and Queensland here in Australia, have also been rocked by Zoom scandals in the past couple of years when pornographic clips replaced lessons. (laughs) Well, there used to be a time when we'd rickroll people. Now, that would be fun if the... uh, If the uni lecturer in the 10-minute break had put on Rick Astley, never going to give you up, then that would have been all right, I guess. Oh, no, I'm sure someone would have complained about that. Anyway, obviously, I don't think he would have done it on purpose. Surely not. If he did, he needs to go. If he didn't, well, it's an accident, and they can happen, but I don't know. How embarrassing. I I said at the start of the program one major screw-up that I've had in my career, working down... uh, at a radio, an FM station, we had the news on, uh, someone, a mate idiot, had sent me a uh, an email which I opened that was a, uh, a parody prank email that featured the orgasm scene from Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally. So of course I pressed on it to see the email, not knowing that it was, you know, a pop-up parody. And the whole damn orgasm went to wear over the news. And I had to explain <laughs> to management how on earth it happened. Yeah, it wasn't fun. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Monday. Well, that's it for Monday. Thank you very much for your company. Busy old show. If you missed any of it or you'd like to re-listen... The Marcus Paul in the Morning Prawncast will drop just a little later this morning. Keep an eye on it on our socials, Marcus Paul in the Morning and Starter FM on Facebook. By the way, I'm also on TikTok. Yep, I'm not singing, I'm not dancing, I'm certainly not taking my clothes off. Well, not all of them anyway, at least not now. Not unless I get real desperate. Um, Keep an eye on our TikTok videos as well. At Prawny in the Morning 1. I think that's the handle there for TikTok. Um, Have a wonderful day. Please look after each other. I look forward to catching up tomorrow. Uh, The Van Baddam. Interview will also be in that Prawncast day if you missed Van or you want to re-listen to that. Always love catching up with Van Battam. Uh, exciting news as well at some point this week. Uh, we will catch up with the one and only Jordan Shanks. Yeah, friendly Geordies will be on Marcus Paul in the morning on Starter FM this week. We'll let you know exactly when. That Isaac Butterfield video podcast as well. That will drop tomorrow afternoon, so keep an eye on our socials for that. Look after each other. Thank you very much for tuning in this morning. We'll be back tomorrow between 7 and 9 live on starterfm.com.au and, of course, the iHeart and uh, TuneIn radio apps. Enjoy your day. Catch you tomorrow. Bye now. I want to tell you a story about a man named Scott. A dodgy politician, cause he always lied a lot. He had a partner, Jenny, who he had to keep in line. That is, until he brought her out at each election time. 60. 60 Minutes, that is.
1: Brought to you by the Liberal National Party's Peter Costello, former treasurer.